Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hello and welcome to Smart TV with me, Kellyanne Taylor, and of course, the lovely Caroline, who is unfortunately a little bit ill today. I am. I'm bunged up with cold, so I do apologise for these nasal tones. However, it does mean that I've been watching an enormous amount of television. (laughs) So what you lack in uh, presentation skills, I make up for in enthusiasm. As you always do, Caroline, you come well prepared and ready to take our listeners through what to watch in the week ahead. So obviously this week, the big thing globally on telly in real life is the coronation once in a lifetime event so we've got the coronation it's happening on saturday most of us will know that because we've been gifted a bank holiday hurrah so we've got bbc one itv one and sky news are covering the event uh all to varying degrees now this is the question with all of the linear channels queuing up to bring us Charlie boy with his throne and his crown. How do you choose which channel to watch? What determines that? I'm guessing the default would be BBC for such state events, but I'm interested. What are your thoughts? You're you're a young one. Will you be going elsewhere for your crowny bits? So it's funny you say that because I normally would say BBC One. I think the way that they covered the Jubilee and the funeral was incredible. You know, you've got Kirsty Young, who just gets the tone right every time. She's going to be, I think, in Buckingham Palace in a studio there reporting on the day's event. And then we've got Hugh Edwards commentating and Sophie Rayworth speaking to guests. So I think that's more of a traditional kind of watch. I think I might be delving into the Sky News approach. I just, Sky News, I think, is one of those news programmes that go really, really in depth and have slightly different coverage. I also really like their presenters. So I'm a big, big fan of Beth Rigby, obviously, and of course, Kay Burley. What about you? 
Well, I think you're tapping into something. The BBC, I mean, it's not the state broadcaster. It's made that very clear. It's told Elon Musk it's not the state broadcaster. But of course, it does have to play a slightly different game. It has to play it very straight, quite deferential, certainly reverent. It isn't going to be controversial. So I think you're right. If you've got a little bit of a need for some vinegar in your salad, I would say go with Sky, just because if there is a little bit of controversy, they'll be digging it out and enjoying it. And I think that that's probably quite healthy, even though the BBC, I kind of feel like if they can't get this right, what hope is there? But yes, interesting to see. I think I might do a bit of flicking, actually, just to see the difference. 100%. Now, the second thing that is happening that is quite big on TV this weekend is, of course, the Coronation Concert, which is on Sunday, 8pm, BBC One. Caroline, what are your thoughts? Um, it's not very British, is it? Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, Tom Cruise. I mean, all superstars, great. But for a a coronation which is all part of Britain.com across the world. I don't know about the message. What do you think? I don't know. It's kind of twofold, isn't it? It feels a little bit like if Saturday is the kind of day of formality, then this is where everyone collectively loosens their tie. But like you say, it's perhaps not the stars that I thought. And after the Jubilee concert... The expectation perhaps was there for something a little more British. You know, Adele would have been great to see her there, Ed Sheeran. And come on, who doesn't love a bit of Take That? (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) it, isn't it? They're the biggest British band on Mm. the bill. So it's a long way from Brian May on the roof of Buckingham Palace. That's all I'm going to say about it. So that's the Coronation Concert, Sunday, 8pm, BBC One. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, Now, for those who want less Coronation, what do you have? Well, this is for people with perhaps not necessarily a Republican bent, but certainly questioning some aspects of the monarchy. And one of the great problems of the monarchy currently is what to do with Prince Andrew. So Channel 4, they started last week. Part 2 comes up on Monday. I think uh, they've kind of politely kept the weekend free of too much anti, anti-monarchy anti stuff. But um, Part 2 follows Channel 4 Monday, 9pm. Andrew the Problem Prince. And of course, it doesn't really need telling again, but it certainly sets out the table. So we have his sort of playboy prince days of the 80s when he was a war hero coming back from the Falklands, the rose between the teeth. We've had all that in part one. I think we're going to get into the weeds of his relationship, friendship with Jeffrey Epstein in part two and quite how he ended up telling the nation that it was a useful friendship, that he stayed in this posh house in New York because it was convenient. I mean, yes, it sounds as though he's distancing himself from Jeffrey Epstein, but it doesn't sound nice to say you're staying at somebody's house because it's convenient. So that's actually worse than saying because they were a good friend. Anyway, it's all been talked about before. Quite interesting going behind the scenes of that interview with Emily Maitlis and the producer Sam McAllister, who um, is now seeing her book of the interview turned into a film. So this one's going to run and run. But of course, it is the great question mark hanging over Prince Charles. Well, one of the two. What does he do with Prince Harry? What does he do with Prince Andrew? I don't know if this will provide a solution, but it will certainly ask the question. Wow, that was a good review, Caroline. Thank you. 
There we go. You got to tune in. Yeah, I think I will. I'm especially excited to see them make it the Emily Maitlis um, interview into a film. Oh, that's going to be good fun, that was, isn't it? That was an interview of a lifetime. I mean, that cemented her as up there, didn't it? And it did. And people do enjoy or seem to enjoy TV about TV as well, don't they? Mm. Films about films. So yes, I yes. think um, something to look forward to for sure. So that's Andrew the Problem Prince, Channel 4, Monday, 9pm. Now, I have something a little bit different for you and um, I didn't want to miss it off the list because it doesn't really fit into the joy that is about to come in the rest of our recommendations. But it came as, again, essential viewing. This is Mad Woman, Channel 4, Tuesday, 10pm. So this is one of those documentaries. So it's called Mad Women. It's a play on Mad Men, the series about the advertising industry. Did you ever watch that? Oh, yes. Yes. We all loved that. So this is now a take on the women behind some of the country's most innovative and memorable ad campaigns. So you've got, it's very nostalgic. I mean, it's as a Radio Time youngster, we do use the BMT before my time, but still very enjoyable. So you had the Shaken Vac advert, the Levi's Laundrette advert. Do you remember those? Just about. Just some, <laughs> on the edge of my consciousness. But I, I, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, so it takes us back to the 70s and it follows this group of women who broke into an industry obviously dominated by men for decades. And they talk about the workplace, which they agree was very much just like Mad Men. But while ads were sexist and kind of in that, looking back at those adverts, they massively portray women as kind of only being interested in housework or getting a man. But these ladies and these women talk authoritatively about the kind of changing attitudes and trends that were kind of taking place in the advertising world when they were working there. This does sound fascinating. What struck your fancy about this? Why were you particularly drawn to this one? So I don't know if you've seen recently, I actually saw it on LinkedIn, but there's a Dove advert that's doing the rounds at the moment. And it follows these young girls, probably about 16, 17, as they're the first generation that grew up with social media. And it's an advert that looks at the impact of social media on eating disorders in young women. And I thought after watching that, I thought that was such a powerful advert that when I saw this come up in the um, Radio Times choices, I was like, I just want to know a little bit more about the history. Okay. So it is about the kind of breaking of taboos and the power of advertising, which, you know, is really difficult because I think so much of advertising, especially as a young woman or as women in general, is kind of made to, to have some kind of feeling of making you feel bad or needing a product. But then there is some adverts that have such strength and poignancy and disruptive in terms of the kind of societal norms, you know, what body we should have, what we should look like, all of those things. So it, it really addresses the kind of how it disrupts the industry. And I think obviously having women behind these adverts massively changes the game. Fascinating. Now, Caroline, I'm a big uh, believer in change. You're a big believer in Eurovision. <laughs> Seamless. Well, yes. Yeah, so uh, it's finally come around. We know that we are but the runners-up. We are holding the coats for Ukraine. Nevertheless, Eurovision has come to the UK for the first time in 25 years. I think I'm going to save most of my powder for next week's show because then we can talk about the final, the big grand final uh, next Saturday in Liverpool. But the BBC are really, goodness me, throwing the kitchen sink, the entire light entertainment budget 
at this show. And quite rightly. So we kick off on Monday with Eurovision Welcomes the World. We have Rylan, Sinitra Saka. They have highlights from this year's turquoise carpet. What? Welcome <laughs> event in Liverpool. And also highlights from this great welcoming ceremony event, big concert that's taking place outdoors in Liverpool in front of the town hall on Sunday the 7th of May. So people like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I mean, they've rebanded after 35 years just for this. So that tells you how special this whole thing is. There's another programme on later in the evening, nine o'clock on Monday, BBC One, Eurovision Calling, Jason and Chelsea's Ultimate Guide. They are Jason Manford and singer-songwriter Chelsea Grimes. And they explore why the contest is so extraordinary and how it's become the world's largest live music event. So just sort of start wetting your whistle, start getting your palate up and sophisticated enough for the following weekend. I'm not going to say any more. Plenty of programming to be found, but those are two highlights just to kick you off at the beginning of the week. And if you want to keep going with that feel-good feeling, which Eurovision is, it's a feel-good programme. It's a celebration. We have the return of the Chris and Rosie Ramsey show. Now, who are Chris and Rosie Ramsey, you ask? They are the duo currently dominating the podcast world. And when I say dominating, I mean dominating. They sold out the O2. They had the largest podcast event in the world. So they have this like very, very dedicated fan following who tune into their podcast every week. And their podcast is called Shag Married Annoyed. And it is hilarious. The reason why I have even more of an invested interest is because this week on the Radio Times podcast, we had them on the show live in the studio. And I'd been a fan of the podcast for a while. Their show, the Chris and Rosie Ramsey show, which is coming Friday the 12th, 10.45pm to BBC One. It's been promoted from BBC Two to BBC One for its second series. Is the perfect antidote to any kind of anxiety or worry. If, you, if you're looking for something that is light, easy, fun, this is your show. Um, so they came into the studio. You can listen to the episode. It's live already. And... They are so joyous. Her laugh, Rosie's laugh, is so infectious. They can talk about anything and everything and often, you know, share it with a little bit too much information. Perfect. Who could ask for but more? <laughs> so it was a real joy. Oh, my question is, there are quite a few of these husband-wifey podcasts doing the rounds. What sets theirs apart? Why have they managed to hit those other spots that the other podcasts can't reach? Do you know what? I think it started with Chris, who is a stand-up comedian and had quite a successful career as a stand-up. And um, Rosie was kind of in the peripheries. And then they started doing this podcast because he was doing some Facebook Lives and she was kind of in the background and people responded really well. I think the difference is, is that they, as a pair are unlike anything else really out there. They are so comfortable with each other. Their conversation flows so naturally. It's not put on. They are so easygoing with each other that when you listen, you genuinely find yourself laughing out loud. And I think it's their chemistry. I don't think you can recreate that. And I think you can have this idea to have kind of a married couple podcast, but it's about 
does that work to a wider audience? And all that anyone wants to do when they listen to those kind of shows is laugh along, to feel included, to feel like you understand the jokes. And they're just so good at welcoming you in. I mean, they're also from Newcastle upon time. So the accent is inviting. You know, their humour is inviting. They're just, they're just brilliant. Do you need more of a reason? Doesn't sound like it. No. So that's the Chris and Rosie Ramsey show, Friday the 12th, 10.45pm, BBC One. Now we've told listeners what they should watch this week. What will you be watching? I'm still enjoying The Diplomat over on Netflix. It's doing very well. And this week's news is that it's been recommissioned. So series two is coming our way. But I'm very much enjoying the chemistry between Kerry Russell and Rufus Sewell as The Diplomat and her husband. It's competitive, sexy, full of possible betrayal, but also they do seem to have each other's backs. Quite a complicated, mature relationship. Don't often see these in the middle of these political dramas, but uh, it's got a lot to recommend it. And I do highly recommend that you tune in. Amazing. What about you? Now, I'm going to say it's my favourite film and you're going to laugh because I say every film (laughs) is my favourite film. But I'm a lady of obsessions and I'm a lady of extremes. So one of my favourite films but a handful. Obviously, I only reserve my favourite films to tell our listeners about anyway. But this is Ladybird. It's coming to BBC Three, 10pm Wednesday. Um, and of course, you can catch it on iPlayer afterwards. But it is a film directed by Greta Gerwig, who you'll know from Little Women. She's also uh, doing the upcoming Barbie film. And she directs this witty Oscar-nominated drama, which follows this teenager, Ladybird, played by the phenomenal Saoirse Ronan, I think a generational talent, Um, as she navigates her final year of high school, uh, falls in love, decides what to do with her life. It's feel good. It's up there with kind of like book smart. That's a similar vibe. It's just very funny, very good, very much gets you back in the feels of being a teenager thinking what on earth is next and thinking that you know it all. So that's a nice one perhaps for a weekend viewing. If you want to catch it on the on the small screen, that is BBC Three, 10 pm on Wednesday. Now that's all from us for this week. Um, from next week, I will be taking a lovely holiday. So Caroline will be joined by Francis, our choices editor, instead of me. So um until then, until I'm back and until next week for Caroline. Happy, happy watching! watching! 